0: I wanted a career in which everything would matter, so I joined the CIA, and now I help protect our families, our friends, and every fellow American.
1: Find out how everything you do in your career can impact our nation. Visit CIA.gov careers to learn more and apply. Hey
0: what's up? Welcome to West Mitchell here, Chris Clark. Wednesday episode of the show, GC Live. Got a lot planned for you here today. And before we start, as I promised, every single show now, at least once, I don't want to forget. Football! We talking some football. He's Chris. I'm Wes. Uh, Chris, Chris I, I was really excited for you to take, to debut the new background. And I, I guess you're just going to make everybody wait on you to, uh, it's piece by piece, assemble it piece by piece. So, so by kickoff 2021, a little bit later on, Chris may finally have the full background ready to roll. Uh, welcome in again, uh, everybody in the chat. What's up? Hope you're doing well. And, uh, yeah, as Tyler points out, Chris got a haircut as well. Um, Dude, I I rarely, most of the time with the show, we just sort of talk about whatever is on our brains, and then there's generally one big, maybe major topic to talk about. But um, today, I actually made notes because there is a lot of stuff for us to hit. Um, Football Pro Day going on literally right now as we're doing the show. So, you know, that is a little bit iffy for us when you do a show that is both a live show and a recorded show going on the podcast. So we're going to try to be careful. We probably will get information, hopefully, as this goes on, that we will provide. But I also I don't want to make it to where the show is completely outdated um, before it even goes up on the podcast platform. But we will go into Pro Day talking about some of the South Carolina Gamecocks that are participating in that right now while we're live or while we recorded, depending on uh, which way you watch or listen. Of course, uh, we'll talk a little bit of spring practice. I'm sure we'll probably talk that every day, every show during spring practice. Talk a little bit of recruiting. South Carolina starting to set uh, official visits for the summer. That's something we had anticipated, but now is actually happening. Uh, Shane Beamer will speak on Thursday. So by the time we do the show on Friday, you'll actually have another update from your head coach. Women's basketball, a 59-42 win over Oregon State on Tuesday night. Aaliyah Boston, another 19 points. She leads the way for the Gamecocks again. South Carolina advances to the Sweet 16 for the seventh time in a row, at least the seventh time that there, um, of course, was a, a tournament, no tournament last year. But seventh time in a row, they'll play Georgia Tech, a five seed. Um, no time or date yet on that. And then baseball, getting an 8-3 to win over the Citadel on Tuesday night. Will Sanders, the starter, was outstanding. Bats come alive. And a little bit of information coming from Mark Kingston on the Gamecocks pitching rotation uh, moving forward. So we'll dive into all of that um, and go from here. There's been a couple of questions about the Pro Day. Unfortunately, uh, you know, th- there's a question about are we going to be showing the Pro Day? There's a question about is there any way to watch the Pro Day right now we're we're obviously sitting in our uh, in our offices right now. We are not allowed to go do a live. I don't believe anybody's doing live coverage of it. Um, still, COVID protocols in place, and I, I guess SEC Network or NFL Network didn't didn't pick this one up. So there will be information. There will be videos from the Pro Day uh, later on put out by USC. And actually, if you are a Twitter person, you will see. You know, little clips here and there start to come out already. From I believe there's some maybe more national media type folks, some NFL Network folks, and I've been following James Palmer uh, from where are you from, James? You're the national correspondent for the NFL Network, James Palmer TV on Twitter. And so far, no surprise here, Chris. Uh, I sort of wanted to to sort of roll into to some of these guys anyway. And as we're going on the air here, J.C. Horn has been uh, very impressive so far. Hopefully we have a 40-yard dash for you for for J.C. before it's over. But a 41.5-inch unofficial, I think, vertical, but still um, that number will probably hold. uh, 11-foot-and-an-inch broad jump. Let's see. I believe uh, measured in slightly over 6 feet. 205 pounds, J.C. Horn, he believes he is the best defensive player in this draft, is what he told us all on Tuesday. Um, Hit 19 reps on the bench, as Reed informs us. And I I don't know, man. When when I look at J.C. Horn, I don't really see any flaws in the game. Like, to me, this is a kid – Uh, from the moment he has stepped foot on campus, and we have talked about this before, he has carried himself like someone who is preparing for his job, right? Like it hasn't been, let me get to South Carolina. Let me enjoy being a freshman. Let me go goof off. It's been a professional approach. He's looked like a professional athlete from the second he's gotten here. Big kid, long arms, muscular, can move, we all see just the natural coverage ability, 41-and-a-half-inch vertical, uh, which, again, is a sign of explosiveness and athleticism. I I got to think, man, if, you're, if you are in, I will say, the mid part of the first round and you need a cornerback, I don't know that you can miss with J.C. Horn. You know, I, I think a lot of – and I'm not some NFL expert by any means, but just seeing – him work for the better part of three years now. I think a lot a lot of drafting, you know, if you're a team is about minimizing risk. And to to me, there I don't I don't see much risk in, in taking J C Horn.
1: Yeah, and and I think even back to when we saw J C in high school, Wes, he was pretty highly rated at the time. And I think he he ended up moving up even more, but we saw him in a camp setting and just thought he was really, really good. And, and, and he looked like a pro. I mean, he was a kid who was, you know, close to six foot one, had a frame that could put on more weight, could move, was super athletic, had just natural cover skills. And so he was a guy that looked like a safe bet to be a really, really good college player and a future pro. And he certainly turned out that way. And I think when you look at JC Horn, you're right. There, there aren't many things, there, there aren't many holes in the game. Um you know, you can nitpick a few things here and there, maybe based on game tape, but then you think about some of the players that he's gone up against, right? Kyle Pitts from Florida, who might be a top five pick. Has made a lot of people look silly. Did he make a play against J.C. Horn here and there? Yeah, he did, but that's what great players do, you know, against defensive backs. This is, a tough, this is a tough spot to play And I saw something I can't properly credit, but on social media, somebody had put up sort of some different... Screenshots of JC from game tape and some of the different type guys that he was tasked with covering. And it was, you know, one game he's covering Kyle Pitts, another game he's covering the outside receiver with side, another game he's tasked with covering the slot guy. And so he was someone that you could put on the best player on the other team and he was going to win for you a lot of the time. And um, whether it's size or his disposition, his love for the game his athleticism, his ball skills, his just natural coverability He really brings all that to the field. And and I think just based on some of these early returns, I think that was maybe the only question of, you know, you just wonder is a guy for some reason going to put up maybe some subpar testing numbers. Does not appear that that's going to be the case for J.C. Horn. Again, we don't know as of right now, 2.09 p.m., recording this on Wednesday, you know, what that will look like. But this is a guy, Wes, that has always been thought of as – a potential top two round pick and, and might be doing more to solidify his status in the first part of that.
0: Yeah. And I, uh, I actually believe I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, Cause I retweeted that as well. It was by um, Ben, Ben Fennell NFL uh, at Ben Fennell underscore NFL. Um, basically. <laughs> and it, it was Chris, it wasn't just the guy, wasn't just the positions, but the guys at those positions were the elite of the elite. Um, here, that is, you have essentially that's Kyle Pitts uh, at playing tight end, Elijah Moore for Ole Miss playing in the slot, and then uh, Devonta Smith playing uh, receiver. So, and J.C. Horn put on on all those guys in various situations. And I I think, uh, you know, that that's what we saw South Carolina do as, as Horn progressed in his career. And and certainly this past year at times, we saw South Carolina take more of an approach of let's rather than have, uh, you know, guys play particular spots within the defense. Mm -hmm. Let's put JC Horn on the opponent's best receiver. And, you know, we, we saw that in the Auburn game, Auburn kept testing him, um, kept come, you know, he kept making plays, kept making plays. And uh, who, who's the kid for Auburn, Seth, um, Seth Williams, there it is. And, you know, I, I just, I think there's a certain mindset that J.C. Horn comes with. And it's not just that he says he's the best player, the best defensive player in the draft. It is that he carries himself with a belief that he is the best player uh on every field he steps on. So I think that's obvious. And I, man, I, I think the, the kids can tell, like you can always, to me, I look at what do, what do a guy's teammates say about him? And, and I'm not talking about when one of the media guys asks, Hey, what do you, you know, tell me about your teammate. And they, they're they going to find something nice to say. Right. But to me, when you look at the respect that his teammates have had for JC just over the three years, and how they talk about him—that uh, that says a lot. Uh, I'm telling you, if you're—and um, I, I don't know anything about the Steelers need right now—but I saw Grady Brown uh, was in the house. Grady now um, an assistant in the secondary there with the Steelers. Grady draft JC Horn if you have any pull there. If y'all are looking for a DB, uh, you will thank yourself later on. I think.
1: And, and Grady Brown, man, you know, I was actually thinking about, for some reason, something came up that made me think of Grady Brown yesterday. So a little side note, he did a really good job of getting in some talent in the Gamecocks secondary and other positions while he was on board. He, he, now, even some guys at South Carolina did not land, not due to any fault of Grady Brown, but just at the end of the Spurrier era when some things sort of fell apart recruiting-wise, but remember at one point had Jair Alexander committed just a low ranked guy out of Charlotte. Some other schools were going, why South Carolina taking this guy first round pick after he went to Louisville, Mark Fields, who went to Clemson committed at one time, Damon Arnett, who went to Ohio state, all these guys were committed to the Gamecocks and and Grady Brown had them committed at one point. Um, But, you know, even in addition to that, I mean, you look back at the Muschamp tenure, Chris Lemons and DJ Smith, was that's probably the best safety duo that South Carolina had. Both of those guys were guys that, that Grady Brown helped to bring in as well. And then Sky Moore was obviously a guy that he helped get in. So he, he has had a pretty good eye for talent during his career. So, uh, Wes, some of the guys, by the way, that are able to check out what J.C. Horn is doing um, in person today at Pro Day, Panthers head coach Matt Rule. Is there? This is from Jim Nagy of the Senior Bowl, Bills GM Brandon Bean, uh, Cowboys Vice President of uh, Player Personnel Will McClay, and then uh, Titans Head Coach Mike Vrabel and five other general managers from the NFL, from the Saints, Dolphins, Broncos, Packers, and Titans. Obviously, a lot of other NFL scouts there, but those are some of the, like the big names that are there checking out JC Horn and some of these other guys. Cedarius Sutcherson, man. 2.25, 36 times, according to Steve Fink, the outstanding Steve Fink
0: of the media relations department at South Carolina. Well, best in the biz, Steve Fink, is what there I like you. to call him. Um, and now J.C. Horn locking in a four three nine uh, 3 40-yard dash. Palmer, I, I guess, is, is going to be our our primary reporter here on, on what's going on at South Carolina's deal. He says that uh, – he saw three different stopwatches that had a four three nine second forty yard dash for JC Horn and man the uh, not not a surprise there but for him to put it down and, and now sort of have that locked in as well um, you don't run again after you you put one of those down you just sort of go uh, move on to the next thing and and JC I would say Chris probably safe to say he is the talk of South Carolina's pro day. You know, coming into it as well, but obviously living up to, to that well-deserved hype here today. So South Carolina's Pro Day, I'm going to give you the full rundown if I can get to it. There it is. Some, some guys from last year, which again, Steve Fink reminded me, they did not have a Pro Day last year. So I, you know, I pointed out, and I, I'm pretty sure this is true, guys have come back before, and you know, stuck around and done a pro day down the road, uh, but for these guys, they never got their pro day last year. So you have um, you know some some guys on this list that could have gone through it last year, but just could not because of COVID. So uh, Javon Charleston, the defensive back, Tavian Feaster, of course, the running back, um, Danny Fennell, Colin Hill, J.C. Horn, Sedarius Hutchinson J.T. Ebay, Ernest Jones, Caleb Kinlaw, Izzy Mukwamu Adam Prentice, Shai Smith. And former linebacker Eldridge Thompson. So that, that's a little bit bigger list than it maybe would have been. Let, let's talk about some of the other guys, Chris. And I, I I'll say let, let's start with Hutcherson since we have a number there. He he promised thirty reps on on you know on the bench two twenty five, and and man two hundred twenty five pounds is for the average human being is a lot to bench once. So. Right. You know, to go out there and do it 36 times is just absolutely ridiculous. And I would say, though, probably maybe not expected. I don't know from a national or for an NFL standpoint, but I think from a local standpoint, actually probably pretty expected. We've always heard this guy is a weight room, just junkie, uh, a monster, super strong kid. And someone that's just worked his tail off to get to where he is i remember uh, th- this tells you a little bit about sedarius hutcherson and and his approach so when he first got here you know we we talked we talked about this before he was a two hundred he was listed as a two hundred and thirty pound defensive end comes in i think he got to south carolina maybe at two forty 240, two forty five he says uh, and i remember i reported some of this as it happened um I remember sort of hearing hey, or asking, hey, who do I need to be looking out for? Who's been looking good in the weight room? And I heard pretty quickly after, I think, a redshirt year, watch out for this Darius Hutchinson kid. He's a weight room monster. Puts on weight, puts on weight, puts on weight. And his thing has always been, coach, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? This was always the guy that they never had to, you know, make him drink his protein shake, never had to make sure he was getting his his reps in. Has always just been um, done things the right way. Well, very early in his career, and I hope I'm I'm getting this right. He he actually had put on so much weight that he overshot his initial um, sort of area by by like five pounds. Which you know you're like okay, big deal. Well, Sedarius being sort of almost a perfectionist, is just like mad at himself he's like all right coach what do I got to do to drop these five pounds like what do I need to do because I because he wanted to be exactly on his target weight so I think there's a little bit of a perfectionist mindset from Sidarius Hutcherson and um, he put on the weight the correct way he maintained his mobility while putting on the weight and Probably for me, Chris, one of those guys I just pull for because he, he seems to have always carried himself the right way.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, what what he did was remarkable in terms of the weight gain and, and transitioning from a from a tight end defensive end to an offensive lineman and, and turning into a really good one, a draftable prospect, um, just a, a weight room warrior. And, and and you can't do that without having the the right mentality. Obviously he's got he's got some good genes and 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 things like that too to be able to transform his body like that. He's just got some natural strength going on, but just you've got to give him credit for putting in the, the time and the effort, the amount of eating that he had to do. I remember he's talked about that in some media opportunities before, but you know, he, he gained, I think in about 15 months, a year to 15 months, it was 70, 80 pounds. I mean, just, just an amazing, you know, transformation um, with with his body and, and, and moving to a, a new position, you know, and so he he's really thrived. There have been some times, man, where South Carolina had some names on their offensive line. You remember, we've talked about this before, maybe a couple years ago, and there were some bigger names, some guys that were more highly ranked in the past that, that fans talked about more, but quietly, sort of behind the scenes, Hutch was the guy that a lot of times was considered in the program to be the best guy, you know, on that team. And so uh, he's really progressed well to where he's going to have a really good shot. To get drafted, last I heard, Wes, the projection on him probably like a mid round type of guy, and when you get in that range, it sort of depends. You can go higher, you can go lower based on who's on the board, the needs, who's come off. Uh, but but definitely a consummate professional type guy and someone that I think is going to do a really good job
0: uh, at the next level. So as far as who we talk about next, Chris, we I think we I think we all know Horn Horn's going first. Right, like he—he's going to be the first guy of the South Carolina players that that are going to be uh, potentially draftable. Uh, the the five, so the five guys that spoke yesterday, uh, yesterday being Tuesday in this case, Horn, Izzy Mukwamu Darius Hutcherson, um, obviously Ernest Jones and uh, Sha Smith. So those are the five that were invited to the NFL Combine. Even though the NFL Combine is not really. Um, what it it was because of COVID. So, of of that group, if Horn is first, who are you hearing could be second off the board? Just, and again, this
1: is before, you know, all the pro day numbers are going to come out and things like that. Probably Shai Smith um, because of the season that he had and some of the testing numbers that he's expected to put up. Um, You know, Shai Smith is probably going to run really well, for example. He's going to put up probably some – some eye-popping numbers in terms of what he runs in the 40, you know, shuttle metrics, things like that. I would anticipate those being very good. And he's, he's got a really, he's got good game tape. You go back and look at, you know, some plays that he's made during his career, but also what he did last year when he was the target, the focus, he was able to turn in some really good performances and really helped himself. So he's someone that could be, you know, a mid-round guy or even creep up a little bit higher potentially de- depending on need and,
0: and just what teams think of it. I'm very curious. Ho- ho- hopefully we have this answer, Chris, by the time the show is over. Um, Cause it's, it's going to be an important question for shy. It's going to be something that they look at. W- what does he run in the 40? What does he put down in the other measurables? Because, um, you know, he- he's not going to be the biggest guy. We already know that, but you know, that going in, if you're a GM and, you know, I, I think, you know, Shai said Tuesday, oh, I can play anywhere. I can play outside. I can play inside. Um, obviously, somebody could probably help you in the return game as well. To me, probably your sort of prototypical slot receiver. Um, you know, could, could he do some stuff outside depending on the scheme? Yes, uh, he does have down the field speed as well. I'll be curious to see what exactly does he run. Um, John asks on Facebook, will Shai Smith beat Horn's time of 4-3-9? I, I don't know, John. I, I really uh I will say maybe. Uh Chris, do you do you have a definitive answer? Do you have a prediction? I, I don't know what Shy has run. That's the one thing I've I've never asked anyone exactly what Shy Smith uh runs. I think Shy actually was asked about that yesterday, and his answer was right around this number. I I think four three nine, four four, four four one. Um I don't know what the expectation is. I know what my eyes tell me. I know he's plenty fast. Yeah. Um, m- maybe a step faster than Horn.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna give my um, my answer that I haven't given in a while. It will be close, I think, between those two. I don't think one would blow the other away. I would, if, if I had to take a stab at it, Wes. I, I would say Shy beats that time. Um, and, and keep in mind, you know, these are watch times. Right for you know for J.C. Horn at four three nine. So I think Shy Smith, in terms of a watch time, a handheld, I think he beats that narrowly. Not not by a lot, but I think he could certainly get there. Maybe maybe a touch, like you said, a touch faster. But it wouldn't surprise me if he's low four four or something like that. But I do think Shai's going to turn in a, a really good time running, Um, just based on you know what we knew from high school with what he ran. Looking at the game tape, all those different types of things, I think that's going to be one of his
0: stronger areas. Gamecock Russ says a four three eight nine, there so just barely. Um, I, I was going to say a, a four three seven and four three eight, but but we'll see. And, and sometimes it just depends on, you know, the, the the day. It depends on who's pushing the button too. So um, so we'll see. It will be interesting. But I think our our eyes tell us that shy, very quick and. I think Shy's sort of Shy has always walked that line. You know, we we've discussed this on the show before with Shy as a current player, not necessarily as a prospect, but um the the attitude. And he said that Debo, you know, ha, has even talked to him about, about sort of working on his attitude. This was Shy's words, not mine. But, you know, I, I think Chris, you and I have talked about this as well. There there is a positive that comes from playing with that chip on your shoulder and I would take I would take shy Smith a hundred out of a hundred times over somebody that's a little more just uh, laid back doesn't really care um, can take it or leave it uh, you know doesn't care about the results give me shy Smith every single time and I think shy made some believers based on his junior year performance, based on his junior year performance in that we knew he was the top target for the offense. I mean, let's go back. We we knew Shy Smith was gonna have to be the primary target for this offense in the passing game, but we we didn't know that he was necessarily going to be as productive as he was. That was a that was a question mark going into the season. So I think he he answered some questions there. Like we knew he would be solid. We wondered, will he be great? And he answered some questions without really having a lot of other consistent, you know, targets around him. And then, you know, I, I think coming back when late in the year, he didn't really have to. Nobody's forcing you to at that point. Would have been easy being banged up just to step away. Um, nobody's really probably even going to say anything about it. But to come back, compete, and you know, sort of go go out not not a positive as far as the team goes, but to, to go out there and, and try to go make some plays for your team. I I just I think Shy helped himself a ton this year. You know, you can go back; his freshman year didn't have a single drop. Um, I saw PFF put out this thing; he didn't have a fumble his entire career. And then, uh, you know, go, goes into the Senior Bowl. By the way, we didn't even mention that had an outstanding time at the Senior Bowl. Well, well, that's sort of a a common trend the last few years for South Carolina guys to go to the senior bowl and help their stock. Hopefully, uh, you know, for Shy's sake, he can sort of finish that off by having a good day at at the pro day. And if he does that, I think he's probably checking, you know, checking some boxes for, for teams.
1: Yeah. And I I had somebody sort of NFL scout type connections tell me a while back, you know, this is well before pro day and all that, that, You know, based on the year that he put together, if he if he tested like people thought he could test that a second round type of draft grade for for Shia Smith is very possible. And so it'll be very interesting to watch it. And I agree with you, Wes. I mean, I thought it was not to pick on some people, but at at the end of last year, when South Carolina had some opt outs and stuff like that, you would you would have that. And some of the same people also saying, why, why is Shy Smith talking so much on the field and, and things like that? And it's like, well, I mean, th- this is a guy who really cares. And so he's he's someone that definitely brought almost a defensive mentality, you know, to the receiver position and um, always played bigger than his size too. So I, I thought it was, yeah, did you need to get shy to settle down a little bit at times? Sure. Uh, but I think that's something that if you're under control – uh, that's a trait that some teams might see as a positive. Wes, a little bit more, just saw a couple other things, if we can, come across on JC Horn. And Jim Nagy, who I mentioned earlier with the Senior Bowl, actually said that two different NFL scouts actually had uh, one of them had a 4.39 and one actually had a 4.37. So a little bit even better for JC Horn and did not run a second 40 because that one was obviously just fine for him, <laughs> for his purposes. Few other things. Matt Miller, at NFL Draft Scout on Twitter, a lot of you guys will know him. He says that the cornerback one race might be heating up. Patrick Sertain of Bama, who's another excellent player from the SEC, has widely been considered maybe the first guy off the board. He said it's heating up a little bit now, and side by side comparison, JC Horn running a four three nine versus Sertain's four four six, got him by two and a half inches on the vertical. Broad jump two more inches and one more bench rep at 225. Patrick Sertain a couple inches taller, three pounds heavier. So and Bruce Feldman of the Athletic said that uh he wrote a piece actually with some some thoughts on JC Horn from SEC coaches. And the quote that he has on Twitter, he's got it all, has the speed, tough, good on the ball, good off the ball, very competitive, the best DB we faced. Nobody had a good day on that guy. So Lots of love coming out from JC Horn right now, and and I think Wes, this isn't a deal where like everybody in the country, everybody who saw you know followed the SEC, like everybody knew JC Horn was good. This isn't a deal where he's coming out of nowhere. But it reminds me a little bit of Debo Samuel, where testing comes around and everybody goes, oh, this guy's like really good and really athletic, and, and we're going, yeah. You know, we've seen this our whole, you know, the whole time we've covered the program. So, yeah, he's he's been highly regarded, but it looks like it's taken a, a step even
0: further up now for J.C. Horn. Yeah, and I think, Chris, it's kind of one of those things where, yes, you can have a, you know, so sometimes there's like more of a, a homer element where it's like, you know, you're naturally – guys are going to get talked up by – the people who see them all the time, whether it's fans, fans certainly are going to have a little biased view. Uh, media can as well. You know, I'll readily admit that. But with, with JC, it's almost like there's never really been a question. Like JC came in with hype and it was like instantly yep. this guy, JC. Some, some guys, when you see them week in, week out, you almost see them exposed a little bit, you know, like you, if you're on, if you're not some, you know, if you're on the outside looking in, you're not covering South Carolina or a fan of South Carolina, you maybe are only seeing the highlights. Uh, You maybe are only like, uh, you know, Patrick Sertain. I'm, I've heard a lot about him. I've seen him play, you know, on TV sometimes, but I'm not following like the day to day, week to week, every single game. Um, But some guys get better by you seeing them every week, because you just see how consistent they are. Um, even some really, really good cornerbacks from time to time will have a game where they get exposed by they They just meet that dude. You know, they just meet the wrong guy. <laughs> right. I don't ever remember J.C. Horn having that day where you say, he just met the wrong guy today. Normally, J.C. was the wrong guy the other the receiver did not want to meet. You know, so – so no no surprise as you said and he as long as he's healthy man that that guy's going to be in the league for for years to come and I don't I don't really think that's us being homers or us like giving the benefit to a guy that um we've seen a lot or giving the benefit to someone you know we interviewed in high school and and just like as a person I just think that's the truth. Uh, yeah so no, I, I
1: totally agree, man. And, you know, there are some – like I said earlier, you can nitpick against any player in the country. I mean, there's nobody that plays at a high level of college football where you can't go find some plays and say, well, this guy got beat there, this and that. I mean, you think of, you know, Kyle Pitts. I, I remember playing the Florida game. J.C. Horn had perfect coverage. Kyle Pitts makes a catch. That's what Kyle Pitts does. He's also going to be a first-round pick. That's what happens. Um, Elijah Moore – one of the best receivers in the country who whipped everybody he played at any level, any team that they played. Elijah Moore got open. He was prolific. There were a few plays where he, I think he caught a touchdown on, on J.C. Horn. Maybe they were supposed to switch it or something. Izzy and J.C., I remember that play. Um, but, but there's just not many. Even Seth Williams, that game where J.C. Horn was dominant, Wes, just ruined Auburn's day. Wrecked shop. Seth Williams caught a deep ball J.C. Horn. They had perfect coverage on Seth Williams, who's, who was a really good player at Auburn. Went up, just snagged it from him, made the play. J.C. Horn's a guy that anybody in the country would take as their first quarter cornerback. Maybe if you're Bama, he's number two, probably number one even for them. And, and so that's why he's going to be, I think, a really high pick with, like you said, a chance to stick around the league a really, really long
0: time. Who else? You want to go into somebody else, Chris? Anybody else you want to hit on? Any thoughts? Well, the one that I'm um, really, really
1: interested by is, is Ernest Jones. You know, that that's one where I'm, I'm really curious where he may go. Um, he's a little bit more, I think, in that gray area. You know, where does he test uh, or what does he test? Um, what are the thoughts on him? Obviously, you know, I think some people were maybe surprised – when he went ahead and made the decision to, to jump early, but he did have a good year. He's a guy that's really sharp, really smart, um, and, and was very productive on the field. But, you know, I, I think just from what I've gathered, there's some questions there about where he may go. He could, if he tests well, get up in that mid-round range, but it, it could also be lower. You know, it, it just depends. Izzy McQuammy is obviously a guy that is sort of hard to peg as well, Wes, because, you know, th- there's – there's obviously some some plays where there's some almost sort of some freakishly athletic plays. You think about some of the interceptions that he made, but there's also some inconsistencies on tape. There's some positional questions. What is he going to run? And so I, I think those are some things to to look out for. And, and just there are a few guys, I think, on the board in this draft class where you're not quite sure, you know, where they may go. You, you got a good sense of JC Horn's going. I mean, it'd be a surprise at this point if he dropped out of the first round, right? It would be a surprise. Shaw Smith's gonna go, he's probably gonna be that next guy, you would think. Beyond that, then you start getting into some gray area and some questions.
0: Yeah, and, and Chris, I you know, with, with Ernest, um, and I'm trying to I'm trying to say this the right way because there it, it's kind of like all right, well, if you say how how is Ernest Jones gonna match up speed wise and athletically in the NFL, um, in, in today's headline-grabbing world, that, it's kind of like, well, you, you're you not questioning Ernest Jones' athleticism compared to the average human being. <laughs> you're really talking about how does it compare to what you have to be to be a, a star linebacker, to be like a starting linebacker in the NFL. And... I think that that's what the teams will be looking for for him to prove either pro day or, you know, over time once he's on the team as far as how much he'll end up playing. And you, you know, I, I think that part does get pointed out partially because Ernest does check all the other boxes. Um, leadership qualities are through, if you're going, you know, scale of 10, it's 10 out of 10, I think, you know, uh, instincts are there. Um, the kid's a good tackler. Um, he, he has the right approach to the game. Never going to be a problem in your locker room, actually going to be a plus guy in your locker room is going to grab other guys and, and, you know, pull them forward with him. All the other things are there. With him, I think it's just about, you know, can can he show he can keep up? How, how much – how much coverage are you asking him to do in your scheme? How, how does he really fit into what you're requiring of that? And, you know, this this is another kid in this in this program that I, I think you, you pull for. I know you you made the long trek that, you, you know, I'm sure you remember Ernest uh, announcing for South Carolina. And this was a kid that, you know, was considered a, a solid pickup, but none of us knew. You know, I think, Chris, for a lot of these like mid three-star guys, some of them, some of them turn out, some of them don't. And you didn't really know exactly how good he was going to be necessarily. You knew he had a chance. So um, it, it's been fun to watch him grow. It's been fun to sort of get to know him a little bit because he was, he kind of became the spokes the spokesman for this defense the last couple of years. So I, I think um, he will bring those qualities and, and we'll see. I, I don't know what he needs to run today or, or what they're going to need to see in like a shuttle um, situation or or what exactly teams will be looking at when they're trying to sort of quantify it but um what will be interesting to see uh, the the response and, and what teams are saying after pro day uh, compared to before.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's a high football IQ guy. He generally was in a good position for the game was able to get them in good looks defensively and, and set those things. Put put a lot, you know, in Will Muschamp scheme on, you know, the Mike linebacker as well, which is the position that he played so Yeah. The one thing you could tell with Ernest during sort of the recruiting process and just meeting him in person, getting to know him is, you know, he knew he was a sharp guy who was going to do things the right way. And that does give you a shot. I mean, there are some guys, Wes, I know that we've encountered over the years where even if you are a little bit more sold on them athletically, you you wonder about their disposition or their work ethic and things like that. And you never worried about that with him. And knew that was going to give him a chance to be a solid guy. And he turned out to be even more than that, you know, turned out to be a really good player and a good find for the Gamecocks. So someone that's certainly going to have a chance. And I would think should, should get drafted, you know, but again, we'll have to, we'll have to see how the testing portion plays out. And then obviously draft day can,
0: can be somewhat of a crapshoot unless you're a top round guy, then, then it starts getting into those gray areas. Maybe all these guys will just get drafted by the 49ers, Chris. I mean, that That's seems to be trend. the <laughs> yeah. the trend, right? That's right. That's right. Um, okay, let, let's hit a little bit of recruiting. I teased it at the beginning, and what we're seeing now, Chris, is that South Carolina and other schools, really, this isn't unique to them, but everybody, uh, for the most part, starting to get ready for summer official visits, and, you know, this is something that's highly anticipated that we're actually going to be able to see kids get to take some trips again, take some unofficial visits, take some official visits and South Carolina, we find out, I guess that was on Tuesday uh, that Oscar Delp, the, the big time tight end Uh, actually Oscar Delp has been on our show. uh, So if you didn't catch that, you can go back, I go to youtube.com slash Gamecock central and you can see where uh see when he was on and, and chatted with us a little bit and talked a little bit about the recruiting process. But um, Chris, a guy that obviously has become a, a huge target for South Carolina, and uh, Eric Kimry heavily involved here, Shane Beamer heavily involved here. Um, a number of schools are on sort of this this bigger list that DELP has put out. I think, you know, you look South Carolina, Georgia, maybe Clemson, maybe there's another school or two in there, but th- those are the ones that seem to, at least from our perspective, ha- have the most uh, traction. And I don't think necessarily we'd call South Carolina the behind-the-scenes favorite if we're being accurate. I think Georgia's going to have a lot going for it till the very end. Um, but getting him on campus and having a shot to show him everything you got for an official visit, I would I would say at this point, South Carolina would take that. You know, I think they would take their current position and say, if you told them, "Hey, we're you're going to get a shot to to get them on campus and and show them what you're all about," um, I I think they would take their current position.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You want to have a sort of uh, a—I'll overuse my phrase again—sort of the seat at the table is what you want to have, and they—they've had that, you know, with dealt for a while. There were some obvious connections, but. That's not the only thing you got to have here. You know, with some of the family connections to South Carolina and Columbia, the, the competition's tremendous for Delp and Gamecocks have done a great job this staff has of tapping into that and, and making them feel wanted and showing them some of the uniqueness of South Carolina. And so, obviously, like you said, Georgia, there's going to be connections. There's going to be, you know, geography and in state kid. Um, there's going to be a lot there. They, like you said, Wes, I think it's a great way to put it. They've got a lot going for them as well. Clemson's got some family connections. They they'll do a good job recruiting as well, and probably land. You know, may have a chance to land and a visit from him at some point this summer. Michigan, Florida, there's some others that he may go see, but I, but I think those first three, with South Carolina, Georgia, Clemson, those are probably I think Wes, going to be the the main ones to watch going forward. But South Carolina definitely got a shot. Definitely heavily in this one.
0: Yeah, and I, I was about to say, you know, who who else do you think could, could get into it? But uh, but you answered it. And, you you know, if you sort of line up the the things that Delp says he's looking for and then what those teams and schools can provide, um, it, it sort of matches up and it sort of makes sense. So so we'll see what happens there. But obviously someone that Carolina believes could come in and play early, and, and I think uh, that that they probably believe they could really feature in, in this offense. I think we've heard – you know, enough about uh, what they want to do with the tight ends and, and how they want that to be a big part of their offense that um, clearly would, would be a nice fit for the Gamecocks, and they're, they're trying to convince him, um, you know, obviously what what a nice fit he would be as well. Uh, switch it over to another guy, and I can't, for whatever reason, find some film to to throw on for, for this kid uh, for you all to watch, but we'll talk about him. Anyway, Chris, that being Nick James, who is actually – at uh, at IMG Academy right now, he's originally from the state of Alabama, I believe. Four star kid had put out a top uh, top twelve, I believe, of, of schools earlier. South Carolina obviously made the cut. He has set his official visit weekend for January twenty fifth as well. And uh, I don't, I don't even know if I said the date for Delt, but it, it is that January twenty fifth weekend, which is already starting to set up. Um, to be an intriguing weekend for South Carolina, what can you tell Gamecock fans about big Nick James?
1: Yeah, so same weekend as, as, as Delp there in June. And um, he's he's a guy that's originally from Prattville, Alabama. Alabama's offered. I think Auburn's offered. I think both those schools in that top 12 that you referenced, Wes. And, um, big competition. I mean, Nick James is a guy that, Um, defensive line coach Jimmy Lindsay and the defensive staff identified early on as as a guy that they really wanted to go take a swing at. And they're taking some big swings. I mean, no doubt about it on on some of the players on their board on the interior. and He's one, I mean, one of the top rated tackles in the country, originally from Alabama, like I said, plays at IMG now. Um, And so here's the thing for South Carolina. Are they going to be able to beat you know, some of these big-name programs. I mean, he's got a lot of schools after him with logos, tradition. I've heard Oregon is going to be a big player in it, um, Alabama, Auburn, um, several others are, are certainly going to be in the mix here. But he's got a really good relationship with the staff already. Uh, South con is doing a, a really good job of recruiting Nick James, and um, he was a guy that we had heard that the staff wanted to try to get in this summer for an official visit. It's, again, we've, we've talked about this, Wes? This summer is critical for South Carolina. You know, we'll see what evaluation opportunities look like in terms of camps and stuff. But just being able to get some of these guys on campus that have never visited, that have never met the new coaching staff face to face, maybe don't know much about South Carolina in general, to have a chance to get them on campus is big. And and so that's going to be the case for Nick James and some others. And so I think it's a you know what, where it goes, we don't know but you want to have an opportunity to get a guy on campus for an official visit. I think it's, it's big news. Now, does that mean South Carolina lands him? We have no idea, but to be able to get one of those sort of precious official visit slots, certainly a positive development for them.
0: Yeah. And uh, Travis is saying June. If I, did I say July? I don't, I don't know. January. I said January. Wow. Okay. Okay. That's a, I'm worse than you, Chris. Chris will mess up some dates in a second, but I'll mess up the month. I don't know why. Um, So obviously not January, June 25th, um, official visit weekends. And if if you're a film junkie or one of those people that just likes to to look this stuff up, I did find his film. It's under, uh, it's under Dominic. So uh, Dominic James on huddle and, uh, it, wow any, any thoughts on this kid he is a rivals 250 four star um I think he's number 222 in the country right now according to rivals um but uh yeah dude dude's pretty active in there man yeah yeah big
1: big bodied big frame kid who's got quickness and you know one of the things that has become really at a premium in college football now is, you know, ability to, to rush from the interior, you know, interior pass rush. It, it used to be more of edge guys, which are still obviously very important, but if you can find a defensive tackle who has the ability to push the pocket and make some things happen inside, we saw that from Javon Kenlaw at South Carolina. That's what he parlayed into a first round pick, Uh, you know, type of ability at South Carolina, he was extremely disruptive. And so, um, You know, Nick James is someone that you look and obviously not a finished product at this level, but he flashes that that ability to give you some interior pass rush. And so big offer list, Wes, and a guy that's got some talent for sure.
0: No doubt, man. All right. So let's turn the page a little bit and talk about our final two topics for the day. We only got actually about 11 minutes left in the show. Let me get our banners back up. And Chris, uh, women's basketball, 59 to 42 win. Over Oregon State, Aaliyah Boston, you know, we talked about this on Monday. She She's just taking the game to another level, I feel like. She has 19 points. She's led the way both games so far. Had a double-double in the round one win. And, you know, th- this game was close early on, man. I, I don't know how much of it you got to sit down and watch. I, I watched most of it. And I think it was a, a one-point game at the end of the first quarter. And then South Carolina maybe went on a stretch where they, they outscored Oregon State, I think it was like 40-something to, to around 15 or so for the, for the next stretch after that. So, to me, this this game was was not even – as it went on, it wasn't even as close as it ended. Um, you know, it was, it was a fairly dominant performance for South Carolina, um, who actually did not shoot very well from outside. They didn't hit a lot of three-pointers. I think they only hit one. But still just were, were dominant inside, played really good defense. Oregon State is a team coming in that, other than a loss to Stanford, had had been on a little stretch of their own, where they had played really well and won a lot of games, and was a really statistically a really good shooting basketball team. And South Carolina, you could tell, um, had emphasized defense going into this game, locked them down, and uh, and made enough plays to sort of pull away mid second quarter and on, and and I felt like cruised through the fourth quarter. So, your your thoughts from what you saw in the game?
1: Yeah, it, it was a little bit similar to that Mercer game in round one where South Carolina, you know, other team hit some shots. I think you're right, Russ. One, one of their 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 sharpshooter on Oregon State, I think, is 50% for threes on the year or something absurd. Um, so they do have some shooters, they have some bigs. And so for South Carolina, a little bit of a sloppier start. You know, uh, Oregon State hit some shots, whether outside, inside. South Carolina a little bit slower going. Like you said, struggled from outside. But what it came down to was, again, similar to the Mercer game in round one, the ability to dominate inside with Aliyah Boston, Bree Beal doing a great job on the boards again. Actually, she hit the three from the top of the key at one point, I remember. And at one point, that was her only three points of the game. Not sure if it finished that way. But Letitia Ami here did a great job. I thought she was uh, a, a pivotal part of that game and sort of turning things around, helping South Carolina go on, on some of those runs. Defensively, she did a really good job. Active hands had a steal and a layup, I remember. Um, did a really good job inside. And so it was pretty clear that part of the strategy was with L.A. and with Aaliyah Boston to get Oregon State's bigs in some foul trouble, which they did, um, you know, even early on in that game, and that and that affected everything.
0: And, uh, man, L.A., I from – Compared to the beginning of the year to now, I, I think she's really started to find herself and, and get settled in and, and build her confidence and stuff like that. So uh, it will be fun to see how far this team can can keep it going. Georgia Tech, a five seed coming up next. Um, as of this live show, I don't believe the, the game time or day has been announced yet. Can't tell you much about Georgia Tech at this point, but I can tell you that Chris Wellbaum, who I believe uh, does – as good a job as anybody covering women's basketball at South Carolina. We'll have a, a full preview and breakdown for you heading into that game. Seven straight Sweet 16 appearances. I, I don't care what you're doing, man. I don't care what sport, what level, what uh, what game. Um, if you make it to, to that level seven years in a row, um, that is the type of consistency that is just um, – so hard to 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 match, and so hard to keep up um, in a sport that that you have turnover. You know that you have people coming into your program and and graduating for your program. So um, just another example of the many examples of uh, of why Don Staley is amazing and is the best. So baseball, uh, South Carolina actually played both. These games were going on at the exact same time last night: uh, the women's basketball game and the baseball game. An example, man, of how Baseball is one of those games where when it's going bad, nothing goes right for you. And then when when you're feeling good, it's like, a, I don't know, it's a snowball effect, and it can be a positive snowball or it can be a negative snowball. South Carolina jumps all over the Citadel early on Tuesday night, uh, sort of keeps it going, cruises to the end, an 8-3 victory, Really probably could have been more. They had already sort of put the game away early on. So I'll start with the bats, man. It, it, it's just – it is funny to me how things get going on Sunday. You wonder can they build off that, and they come right back out and uh, and swing the bats really well, have some really nice at-bats. And, dude, this sets up what is now all of a sudden a massive home SEC series with Florida this weekend.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is what we've been talking about, you know, the competition when it when it stiffens for South Carolina. Obviously, the Texas series, which was the first big test, aside from Clemson, uh, did not go like South Carolina wanted. The Vandy series, while a disappointment, dropping two of three, getting no hit in the second one. Wes, I, I look at that one, and I mean, you, you win game three in comeback fashion, Game two is is not a good one, obviously. But game one, you're facing Kumar Rocker and you lose by one run on the road against a really, really good team. I don't think it's a season-defining type of series. And so it's, it's much more about where you go from here. And so the team has turned it around, you know, in terms of both, both pitching and offensively. They put together some better at-bats. Now the, the competition's going to turn around a lot more again, When Florida comes to town, watching the game last night, Wes, the top five teams in the country right now, all from the SEC, and I think all right on South Carolina's schedule this year. So going to be extremely difficult starting with Florida. So uh, Kingston shaking up the pitching rotation a little bit on Sunday, um, but the Gamecocks did put together, I I think, had a good approach at the plate. Wes Clark, another homer. Jeff Heinrich with a big, I think, a two-strike or at least two out maybe both uh, double that cleared the basis in that game. That was certainly a, a big moment as well. And, and the pitching did well. So going to be a big test at home and, and one that South Carolina would love to walk away as a
0: series winner. Yeah, it should be fun. And man, Will Sanders outstanding. And this, this is a guy that uh, has been very highly thought of really from, from the second he signed with South Carolina, he was really good with the blowfish uh, this past offseason heading into this year. and, you know, I, I think you look at, at Sanders, and I, I do wonder, so going into this weekend, uh, Kingston has announced that South Carolina will go with their their usual, uh, you know, Thomas Farr, Brandon Jordan, on Saturday to be determined on Sunday. Now, that could be the, the obvious, which would maybe be Brett Carey, who was so good and, and really, you know, not single-handedly won that game, but obviously – uh, was a huge part in South Carolina winning the game Sunday against Vanderbilt kept them in the game. Would that make sense? to roll with him Sunday? Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I did notice. So, so the game Tuesday was on sec network, uh, not the net network. Plus it was the, you know, the big boy sec network. And they mentioned the possibility of, of Will Sanders transitioning over to being the Sunday guy. And, that I wondered was that just a fleeting thought, or was that from a conversation, you know, in the building? We know we know that the analysts and the play-by-play guys get to chat with the coaching staff of so the games that that they're uh, about to do. So I wondered, okay, was was that maybe a little hint at, at what could be to come, you know, later on? So I, I do think long term, Sanders is going to be a weekend guy. You know, we'll see if it's sooner or later, certainly by next year. I think he's a weekend guy. We'll see if that, that happens now. And then, you know, I, I think it becomes where do you put the other pieces in? If you take Brett Carey out of the bullpen, obviously you've got to replace him with somebody. I think I think Andy Peters has, has really showed he could be a closer as far as his stuff goes. We've talked about Jack Mahoney on the show with, with Colin Taylor. Love his stuff and love his demeanor as well. So. He, to me, feels like he has a closer's mindset. Uh, So as we know, you go into a baseball season, Chris, and you sort of – you have everything probably on a board where you think it's going to – how it's going to look and how it's going to play out, and then you adjust as it goes. It will be very interesting to see how it adjusts for South Carolina moving forward. And and do you even maybe go in – hey, do you go into Sunday and say – or do you go into the weekend saying – if we need Brett Carey to close a game on Friday or Saturday, do you go ahead and use him? And then if you don't use him, do you start him on Saturday? That that would be an approach as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. Got some flexibility there and, and some options that you can feel good about, you know, and, and of course, Julian Bosnick still in the in the mix to where later in the season. Obviously, I mean they're they're looking at making a change right now but you can always slot him back there because he's been there. And so, uh, yeah, that's, that's a key position. And, you know, something else came up during the broadcast that we've seen sort of play out this year is, is positionally in the infield, still, you know, some questions about how things could shake out. And so, um, yeah, the, a couple of different storylines that continue to monitor there, obviously for the Gamecocks, you know, keeping the bats going um, as they were at the beginning of the season. And as, as they have, they've turned around a little bit in the past couple of games. Keeping that going, the Friday and Saturday starting pitching has obviously been quite good. Uh, figure out Sunday, you know, have your bullpen that that's very talented, albeit young, and, and inexperienced in the conference sense. Um, having those guys to continue to progress, and this is a team that's going to face huge competition down the stretch. Again, top five teams in the country, all on
0: the schedule, one of them in Florida set to come to town. Yeah, by the way, to me, Raylan Wimmer, in my biased opinion, is the best player on this team. Like I, I just, I, I think the guy, as far as every diff everything he can do, and do it at a high level, is incredible. So, uh, and that's no offense to you know a West Clark, a Brady Allen, and I'm talking to, you know among the position players, it's hard to compare a position to pitchers and stuff like that. But uh, Wimmer, very, very impressive so far this yeah. year. Okay. Um, all right, y'all. So that's gonna do it. We're right at three o'clock finishing up here live, whether you're joining us live, YouTube, Facebook, um, Twitter, Periscope, or on the podcast. After the fact, we appreciate you. We appreciate Clint Hammond. Check him out. clinthammond.com. 803-771-6933. Um, he is the presenting sponsor. I don't even know if I mentioned that to start the show, which is awful. Um, Clint is our guy. He's been the presenting sponsor for about three months now. And, is uh, we are very very happy to have him, and we really appreciate his support for the show and uh, and making this show possible. Um, Chris, you're a Clint fan too, right? Like you're you're on the Clint bandwagon.
1: I'm I'm fully on it. I, I might I might even be the conductor of the Clint train.
0: Yeah, you hey you could uh, you could refinance your house as well, man. Uh, save a little bit of money, yep. and uh, then again, as I tell everybody else, refinance your house right now catch these low interest rates while they're still low and then use the money you've saved to buy a subscription to Gamecock central. And then you will still have some left to go out and uh, buy something for your wife and and keep her happy. So you can get a subscription to Gamecock central and still keep wifey happy, which is always the key to life is keeping her happy. So, all right, y'all for Chris, I'm Wes. If you're just, if you're, How should I say this? You're not just joining us. It's the end of the show. But if you want more on Pro Day, is what I'm trying to say, go to GamecockCentral.com, and once all the numbers are out, once USC puts those out, we will be posting those. It'll be a free story. You won't have to be a subscriber. So go check that out, GamecockCentral.com. Until Friday, uh, you'll have a good one. We'll see you then. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's
1: go.